Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. I want to review just briefly Second uh, Corinthians chapter two. Some of the some of the highlights in chapter one, Paul spoke of the earnest of the Spirit. And he said that we've received a down payment on eternity in the person of the Holy Spirit. So inasmuch as we have perceived and received the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, that it's given to us as a down payment, proving that we belong to the Lord and a a foreshadowing of the things to come in eternity when we learn to more fully cooperate with the Lord of heaven and earth in the days that are after our flesh. He also follows up on the 1 Corinthians letter involving the man who was excommunicated for sleeping with his father's wife. And so in chapter 2, he follows up and saying that um, if there's been godly sorrow and repentance, that they should restore the man so that he's not just utterly destroyed over this thing. But if he's repentant, that they should forgive him and receive him back into the fellowship as Paul himself would do. And then Paul talks about uh, letters of commendation that the church there had received, referring to so-called apostles that wanted to come, speakers from other places that came and presented letters saying how wonderful they were. And Paul said that the church itself was his letter of commendation and the proof of Paul's apostolic ministry. In chapter 3, he talks about where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And some have said uh, that the liberty causes the Holy Spirit to feel at home. Others believe that the presence of the Holy Spirit brings liberty. I think both things are true, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom or liberty. In chapter 4, he said that we have this treasure of salvation in earthen vessels, that there is living within us the seed of Almighty God, even though our outer flesh, our body is decaying and passing away, our inner man is being renewed day by day and becoming more like the Lord. In chapter 5, he mentioned the judgment seat of Christ, that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Whether Christian or non-Christian, we will all stand before Christ and our lives will be evaluated, that we should live our lives in such a way that we look forward to that great day where, as new creations in Christ, uh, we have our lives reviewed in concerning our victories in Christ, not according to our sins or our shortcomings. In chapter 6, he begins to defend his ministry again, and he talks about the fact that people have come in to the church there and made bold claims against Paul and uh, self-promoting statements about themselves, and Paul was defending his ministry. And this continues as we go through um, the rest of the chapter. Paul is cautioning them about false apostles and giving the hallmark of true apostles, both signs and wonders and miracles, and the sufferings that they have in Christ. And so now I want to close out 2 Corinthians by reading chapter 13. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others, since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. 
Likewise, we are weak in Him, yet by God's power we will live with Him in our dealings with you. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless, of course, you failed the test? And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong, not so that people will see that we have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong, and our prayer is that you may be fully restored. This is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority, the authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In verse 1, Paul tells us that this would be his third trip going to the Corinthian church. He's announcing his pending third trip. And then he says these words, Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So third trip, three witnesses is the statement he's making. Now, this this idea of things being established by the testimony of two or three witnesses comes from the law of Moses. And it actually had to do with very serious criminal infractions. For example, you couldn't convict someone of murder without the testimony of two or three eyewitnesses. So Paul is putting great gravity on the things that he is saying here to the church. Uh, He's putting a a weighty reference to the law of Moses here, not saying the Corinthian church is under the law of Moses, but using this idea of he's been consistent in his message to them. The first two visits, he was consistent in the message, and in his third visit, he'll be consistent. And in addition to that, he's backed up the things that he said and taught and preached in his writings. He goes on to say that he's not weak, but he's crucified with Jesus Christ. In verse 2, he says, I already gave you a warning. When I was with you the second time, I now repeat it while I'm absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others, since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him in our dealing with you. And so this idea that they're demanding proof that Christ speaks through Paul, apparently people had come in and claimed that Paul was an imposter, that Paul wasn't speaking for uh, the Lord, he wasn't speaking for the Apostolic Council from Jerusalem or whatever, but they were demanding proof that Paul was who he says he was. And Paul says that his credentials rest in the power of God and that the Lord is with him, and if necessary, God will display that power among them to bring correction. But Paul is hoping that it won't happen. In verse 5, he commends them to this. And this goes for you and, and me, my friends, for every generation. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. 
Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless, of course, you fail the test? And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. So Paul is saying that he's not at risk here, but these believers needed to really check their hearts and to see where they were with the Lord. They needed to examine their motivations. They needed to examine their lives. They needed to examine their understanding of the things that Paul was teaching. They needed to examine themselves to see if they were really in the faith. And Paul says, test yourself, essentially, so that God won't have to correct them. He was saying that they needed to self-correct before it was too late, before he had to come and deal harshly with them. In verse 9, Paul says, we're glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong. And our prayer is that you may be fully restored. Now, this um, implies that something's amiss. To be restored means that they're not in a place they once were. And so Paul is, again, trying to bring correction through his writing so that he doesn't have to be harsh when he comes. Verse 10, he explains it this way. This is why I write these things when I'm absent, so that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority. The authority that the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. And so the intent of heaven for me and for you and for the Corinthian church in the first century is that we would be built up. Heaven doesn't desire to tear us down, but the Lord resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So if in our pride we raise up a standard against the knowledge of God or against the things of God, the Lord is able to tear those standards down. But the Lord would much prefer just continually building us up rather than to have to tear down things that hinder his work. He concludes with some final instructions. In verse 11, he says, strive for full restoration. There's that word again, restoration to a a state that they once were. He says, encourage one another. Be of one mind. That speaks of unity. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. In other words, if you do these things, the God of love and peace will be with you. What things? Strive for full restoration. For you and I, it could be to uh, to get back to the place where we were closest to the Lord. If that's not today in your life, you need to be pressing toward the mark where you once were uh, closer to the Lord than you are today. It says encourage one another. We should encourage one another in the Lord and be in unity with other believers and live in peace. If we do these things, the God of love and peace will be with us. And then Paul finishes with an apostolic blessing. It's similar to many of his apostolic blessings in his other letters, but a little different, and I want to just read it. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So he mentions the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. He mentions the Trinity, all three members of the Trinity. He identifies them individually and says, may they all be with you. May they be in relationship with you. May the love of God the Father be with you, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. The Holy Spirit is here working with me now and working with you. And so, Lord, I just pray this apostolic blessing over the metropolitan Washington area. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be on the believers in this area. May the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of them. Lord, may we strive for full restoration to the fullness of what you saved us to become. Lord, may we encourage one another and be in unity 
and live at peace with each other. Lord, we pray that the God of love and peace would be with us. Help God's people here to rise up to be the best that we can be in you. Lord, we ask that you would help us to examine ourselves so that you don't have to pass us through the fire on that great day and find us lacking. We thank you for these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.